Well, good morning, everyone. Lord, I thank you for today, for what you're doing in this place. God, I thank you that we are part of a house where your presence resides, that we get to sit under leadership of people that are, are um, hungry for you, God, that seek your face. And Lord, we, just, we invite your presence, your Holy Spirit, to speak our hearts. We thank you, God, that your word does not go out void, that you will do something with it today. And so thank you so much, Lord, in Jesus' name. I'm going to talk to you guys today about rebuilding the temple. And um, this, this kind of whole theme this morning seems like with worship and, and with kind of the, the people that we have here, the group, is like there's so much rebuilding here. You know, rebuilding lives, renewed treasures. You know, the men in the program, myself, all of us have at some point gone through a rebuilding. And this isn't something I was like really searching for. I, I, I was, um, I had Habakkuk on my phone and I, was, I put it on and it makes for a good nap. So when I woke up, I it was in Haggai, which I'd never read Haggai. And I'm like, this is cool. It's two chapters. I challenge you guys to read it. So, I mean, it's cool to come and, and hear the sermon and all these things, but anything I say today out of any, any areas in the, in the Bible, I would challenge you to go home and read them, because I promise you the Lord will speak to you through that, and it's always good to, just to go and check it out. Um, it's, been, it's been an amazing week. How many people have done everything possible that there was to do this weekend? <laughs> yeah, we filled it up, didn't we? Everything, if there was an invite, anything possible, we did it this weekend. Last night, okay, we had the men's conference Friday night, so all was work, you know, Friday. We jammed to the men's conference, which was incredible. But since we're family, I'm going to share something about the men's conference with you, because this was a cool little test that God did with me. So we took three youth group um, men. There's one of them, Gavin, right there. Addison's not feeling well. And... Um, and Nathan took some friends, and we're all at this the men's conference, right? We're men, we're having a conference, and it's cool. And so there's this shooting thing. Like, what man doesn't want to shoot somebody else? With pellets, with pellets. It's a guy, yeah, it's cool. It's normal. And so, and so we're in line, and, we, and our group splits. There's Nathan and the, and the adults, and then me and the youth. We're like, cool, so we're going to take these guys on is what I'm thinking, right? So we get into the, the line, and the man says to us, like, hey, um, we're going to split your group up this way, this way. I said, oh, no, we're going to fight those guys. And he's like, and he was really serious. He almost kind of rubbed me wrong. He's like, yeah, we're not fighting people here. You guys are shooting after a terrorist group. And I'm like, okay. And I got this kind of sense to have an attitude and be a smart mouth. And I didn't. And so we split groups. And our group, and now I've got three youth group kids with me. Remember that, the whole story. Three youth group kids with me. And we see Nathan and his group. And they keep getting closer and closer to the entrance of this shooting game, and we're not moving. We literally spent half an hour, maybe 40 minutes in this thing, this line, and we get to the table where they're putting the, gear, the headgear on, they're giving them the guns and all this stuff, and we're super excited, I mean the three youth guys, and they come out and they're like, we're shutting this down. We're shutting it down, we've got to close it down. And I literally was like, in my flesh thinking, are you serious? We're at a men's conference, number one. You don't know what I paid for this ticket, number two. Like, we're going to shoot something, is what I'm feeling. And uh, me and the three young men walk off, and I just start laughing. Like, Gavin, you know, like, Gavin was not happy either. 
And so, and I'm just laughing like, man, that was fun. That was funny. And they're like, how is that funny? That wasn't fun. I mean, are you kidding? And I'm like, inside, I'm like, yeah, you're right. But so we get inside and we're sitting down and, and this thing's huge at, at JQH Arena. And we're sitting there and I'm like, hey, man, maybe these guys are thirsty. So, hey, you guys want to grab a soda? So we go out. We're second in line to grab a soda. And this lady who works there comes up to us and says, hey, you guys, forget your soda. They're going to lock that down. And I'm like, what are you talking about? Like, we're getting a soda. Number one, we're men. We're at a conference. You don't know what I paid for this ticket. These guys are thirsty. We're going to have a soda. And so we rush. We grab our three sodas, 15 bucks. Yeah, three sodas. And so we jog it out, right, because we don't want to be locked out. And we get there, and they're like, yeah, this is closed. You can't go in. And, there's, and it was funny because it was all like a men's conference, but it was all women working the thing here. And they're like, and they're telling us men, hey, you can't come into your men's conference. And I'm like, okay, okay, Lord. And, um, and the three youth and me, we take it right. And they're like, you can kind of shuttle off to this side door and get in. So we shuttle off to the side door and we get in. And our seats are on the other side of this motorcycle ramp that is in our way. So we're looking at it we're like, okay, well, we're going to stand here until this is all over. So we're standing here. Motorcycle thing jumps and the things blow up and there's all this man stuff. And then this cool thing happens. This tank starts up from underneath the stage. Like, oh, this is awesome. And I see four cars in front of it. I'm like, this is going to be good. Okay, this is going to be good. They start up the tank. The music's blasting. There's, I don't know, ammo going off everywhere. And this line of people come out of this door with chairs in their hands. They're obviously the people that are going to get to sit in front of the stage. And they come out, and they stand right in front of us. Yeah. I didn't get to see the tank. I saw the end of it where it ended because after it ended, everybody moved. And I'm like, what in the world? Like, these people don't realize that I'm a man. I'm at the conference and what I paid for this ticket. And so I was walking back to our seats, and the Lord said to me, because I'd been praying, God, how do I disciple these young men? How do I disciple these guys? Like, is it enough just to talk to them out of the Bible? That, and I'm not discounting that. Is it enough to invite them to my house to show up at youth group to go to camp? Is that discipling them? And we're walking back to the seats, and the Lord said, uh, that's discipling. That's discipling. You wanted to flip out and tell those people how hard you had to work for that ticket, that ticket was free. But inside of me, it wasn't. <laughs> I share that with you. I don't know. I, just, I feel like it goes with the rebuilding. I don't know. Four or five years ago, I wouldn't have handled those things that way. I have a tendency to be a, a, a word punch people. You know, I can't fight, so I word punch. You know, I'm mouthy. And that, that started to rise up in me, but the Lord so clearly said, you know, that you're discipling those boys. And they could have seen me do this, or they could have seen me do this. And, then, then, and the amazing thing, I guess I'm saying with that, is that the fact that that happened, the fact that I'm standing here today, is an amazing testament of God. Of God's power, of God's love, of His grace, of His mercy. Like, I'm out there worshiping, I'm thinking, man, this... This guy, and I know myself and my past and where I came from and all these things, is going to get up and speak to these people. And it's not me. You know, that's the amazing beauty of it, the whole thing, is there's nothing that Sean's done that can do this. 
but it's the love and grace of God that I'm here today. It's the love and grace of God that I was able to lead those three young men into maybe the proper way to handle that abuse. <laughs> so, Lord, I, th- I just want to thank God for what he's done in this place. Father, we thank you so much that you are an amazing God, that you love us so much, and that you put so much into us, that you've paved the way, God, to give us the opportunity to do the right things, to know your love, and to be examples of that. In Jesus' name, amen. If you guys want to, I didn't do the slideshow. Um, What I want to say, first of all, I just kind of want to build this thing, is that we are the temples of the Holy Spirit. Like, the we are the temple. We read in the Old Testament about Solomon building the temple, about the temple being rebuilt. But I think it's good that we, we know that we are the temple, like God's spirit lives inside of us. And so when I talk today about the temple or rebuilding the temple, I want us to keep that in mind. What's up, Claude? <laughs> this, this book's awesome. I'm going to start reading here in Haggai verse 1. In the second year of Darius the king, in the sixth month, on the first day of the month, the word of the Lord came by the hand of Haggai the prophet to Zerubbabel, the son of she, yeah, governor of Judah, and to Joshua, the son of Jehozadak, the high priest. Thus says the Lord of hosts, these people say the time has not yet come to rebuild the house of the Lord. Then the word of the Lord came by the mouth of Haggai the prophet, Is it a time for you yourselves to dwell in your paneled houses while this house lies in ruins? Now, therefore, thus says the Lord of hosts, consider your ways. Consider your ways. I was thinking, um, when I read that, I was thinking about that and how we are the temple of God. And and like that question kind of comes to mind, like what what Haggai saying? Let me give you a little history first on Haggai. King Nebuchadnezzar came and destroyed the temple that Solomon had built. And that's in, I think, 1 Kings, 2 Kings. King Nebuchadnezzar came and they destroyed the temple, the beautiful temple that Solomon built. He had everything he needed to build this temple. You know, like it was like gorgeous, perfect. And they destroy it and and King Nebuchadnezzar takes captives back to Babylon. And they become part of the Babylonian society, like Daniel, Meshach, Reshach, and Abednego, those guys. But there's a whole group of them. So they get, the, the temple gets destroyed, and they go into captivity. And what it made me think of is us, individually, us. Like, um, as the temple, I can remember a time where I was in captivity. Right? I mean, how many people can relate? You're in captivity. You're bound by sin. You're not free. You're not in your own land. And, um, and that's where these guys were at. That's where they had been taken. Their temple was destroyed. And then they get released to go back and build their temple after 70 years. So they're in this captivity for 70 years, which means there are some of them that have never seen the old temple. They were born in it. They were born in the captivity, and there are some that have seen it. And they get released by King Darius, I believe, to go build the temple. Like that is the, 
The reason they're released is partly to go build the temple. And what, what it made me think of is they get out, they go to build the temple, and what they do is they build the foundation. They get the foundation laid, and then that's it. For 16 years, they don't do anything else. Nothing else is done to the temple. And then God sends Haggai to stir him up and say, hey, you people say it's not time to build. But I'm asking you why you're working on your nice cars, your nice houses, your nice careers and jobs, but you're spending no time on the temple where the Holy Spirit, my spirit dwells. You know, you look, I mean, it reminds me of like weightlifters or whatever. Like we, we do all these things to look good in our physical and our appearance and we're building our houses and God is asking us, when are you going to start building the temple that I reside in? It's so important for us. I mean, we just started a business. Me and Whitney just started a business. So we start, yeah, and that's an amazing testimony too. It's the power of God. But in doing that, I realize I have to get paid now. And I'm, I don't have a check on my phone when I look at it every Friday morning. So I have to go figure this out. I have to start doing things that... And so I started thinking, oh, I can make tons of money, tons of money. I could get a bigger Ford truck. We could get one of those little condos maybe over in Florida. You know, like we could, I, I mean, just get it. And <laughs> you know what I'm saying? And, uh, and then the Lord's just like working on me. And that's just in like two weeks. I get excited. That's in like a couple weeks. Of, I mean, I already had this. And the Lord's just been working on me with that because the, God has not called us to build our temples. He's called us to build to build the temple, and we are the temple of the Holy Spirit. What does that mean? That means that we need to start building those things. We, uh, prayer, reading our Bible, fasting. Maybe it's some things that we have to get rid of. There are things that, I, I think of the houses that we've built, me and my dad have built, and they're a mess. And a lot of times, you've got to clean up the mess before you can build. Yeah, and, it's, and, and you can work around the mess, but it's so irritating. If you'll just get rid of the mess, you have a clean area to build. One thing I learned about building houses, and it correlates with these things in our life that we need to get rid of. It's, it goes hand in hand, and I didn't realize this until Saturday. Well, there's been a lot this weekend, so it was just yesterday. But yesterday morning, <laughs> and I'm just going to be real with you and honest with you and open, but... And it's kind of funny that we're at this men's conference and the word men and all this stuff. But Saturday morning, God really put it on my heart to partner with my wife and, and explain to her some areas that I'm fighting as a man in my, in my walk with God. What man wants to do that? Oh, my gosh. That was like one of the hardest things I've ever done in my life. It's like, yes, babe. I don't. Well, I know, but I didn't want you to know. See, that's. We want to be strong. We want to be men. We want to, you know, we don't need help. But so, so the Lord was just like, because I'm like praying. I'm like, God, you know, there's this thing I don't like about me. And, and the Lord's just like, well, have you, have you linked arms with anybody on it? Something that Chris talk, taught us in class uh, last week. Have you linked arms with anybody? And I'm like, no. And I started thinking. I was thinking, I'll talk to Chris about it because we're bros. We'll link arms. And he had that great message on it. And the Lord's like, well, how can you link arms until you link them with those in your house? You know, how can we go out linking arms unless we're willing to do it here at home? It starts here. So we linked arms. And uh, <laughs> yeah, that was good. And, uh, 
And then we went to another function yesterday morning, and it was just so weird because after the linking of the arms and me revealing this thing that I'm fighting in a, alone, there was such a spirit of peace. Like I literally sat through this class and people were talking to me and I'm like, yeah. And, and it was so funny because I remember like in the late 90s, maybe early, early 2000s, we had this thing at, at church where people were getting drunk in the spirit, right? And there's laughing and people, things were happening, right? And so I'm just sitting there listening to everybody yesterday and just soaking in the spirit of God. And I'm like, man, I'm like stoned in the spirit, God. <laughs> but God just feel like that, like that one thing, that one thing, like I'm fighting and I don't want you to know by removing it and exposing it, it like, it was almost like this got that out of the way so this can come in. And it was so overwhelming all day just to be in the presence of God. And it was, it was just a really amazing, overwhelming thing. To me, that is rebuilding the temple, this one. We have to remove some stuff. That's hard to do. Um, I had to call my dad a few weeks ago and apologize for my attitude. It was just kind of a smart mouth thing I said to him one day. But it really, the Lord really convicted me on it. And I did it. Well, hey, I got to, you know. How you doing? <laughs> How's your day going? Good. Oh, by the way, I've got to tell you, I was a real smart mouth the other day, and I'm sorry. There's a call in our lives for integrity as the temple of God. Like, we literally are carriers of the Holy Spirit. The power that rose Jesus from the dead dwells inside of you. We have a responsibility to do some things. Which is interesting because I've always been, and my wife will back this up, like when her and Randy first met, got together, all of a sudden, my wife's coming home with these ideas of like, we need to dig in ourselves and find some things. I'm like, well, what are you talking about? I ain't digging up dead bones. I even told her, that I ain't digging up dead bones. God's got this. I'm saved. I'm good. We're clear. Back off me, woman. <laughs> but there's been this process over the last year. There's like this process over the last year of like, We've got some responsibility in this. Like, God has called us to this thing, but we've got a part to play. We've got a part to play. Um, let's see. <laughs> I'm just going to talk to you because I can't even hardly see that right now, and I'm laughing. Um, so there's this scripture. This is funny, too. I got this new thing on my Internet I bought so I could write sermons. It's so cool. Because like, I want to be like pastor, man. I really want to flip the page, put it under next. I do. Hi, Ledger. And then, so I printed it Friday. And then Saturday, I got on there and redid a whole other one. And then this morning, I woke up early. And uh, I was just sitting there and I was like, you know what? I'm going to do it again. So I just wrote it again. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, that's what I'm saying. <laughs> yeah, that's what I was figuring. I'm like, I could just put one point on a page. And then so I just found this cool green paper and I'm like, hey, I could just Yeah. I got some more notes here. This was from Tuesday. It's all the same thing. <laughs> 
<laughs> but speaking of trees, I'm glad you brought that up because that brings me to my next point. In Haggai 1.8, um, Haggai gets a word for the people and he says, let's just read it. Let's read it. Now that we know where it is, we'll read it. Haggai 1.8. Go up to the hills and bring wood and build the house, that I may take pleasure in it and that I might be glorified, says the Lord. Go up to the hills, get some wood. Anybody ever logged before? It's a lot of work. Going uphill is not fun either. And then bringing the wood down. It, it is all work. But God is saying, go. It's say, Number one, don't say it's not time to build. Because why are you living in your paneled houses and not building mine? Next, go up and get the materials and start building the temple. Go get them. That means there's some effort involved here. My philosophy of, man, I'm cool, I'm saved, is not true. I am saved, yes, thank you, Jesus. But I have a part in this thing. I've got responsibility. I need to read my Bible. I need to pray. I need to be open and obedient when God says to do something. See what I'm saying? It's not just like, let's not just do the foundation. For me, the, the foundation was in 97, 96 when I got saved. When I got saved, to me, that was the foundation. The foundation was laid. I am saved. But then there's a mess in there and walls to be built. And this is interesting too. So in our Christian walk in building this temple, it's like it never ends that there's something else to do. You know, it's like, I'm really happy I'm not involved in drugs anymore. So happy I'm not involved in this anymore. But now there's this other thing that I need to work on. And then when that's done, there'll be this other thing that I need to work on just to continue to get, the closer we get to God, I feel like the more light is shined on things. And so we get rid of them. We get rid of them. But I caught myself hearing a lie the other day, like, why worry about this because there'll just be something else and I was like good point good point I can just ride this thing out and the Lord reminded me of building a house especially an old beater like I've talked about the Madison house with with you guys here before this house was just terrible and and as soon as you could get in it you know from the board up there was a floor you know, you'd fall through there's nothing and and the same with these things that the Lord is calling us to work on is the same as this house, is that there will be something else to do. Like, we get the foundation laid, now there's walls to put up. You get the walls put up, but we need to run some wire so we have power. Cool, now, now we'll insulate them. Then we're going to drywall them. Then we're going to tape them. Then we're going to paint them. Then we're going to texture them. Then we're going to hang pictures on them. There's, there's always stuff to do, but in order to get the roof on and the people in it, all the steps have to be taken. And we... we the enemy would like us to believe, what's the point? Why put any electrical in there? Because that means you're going to have to put up walls. And once you do that, there's going to be this, and you're going to need plumbing, and you're going to need that. So don't, you know. For 16 years, this temple, this, this foundation was laid in this, in this land. When they went back, for six, they laid the foundation for 16 years. That was it. 
It blows my mind. After a couple years, I imagine it got to where they didn't even really think about it. Probably no more questions of why is that? Probably just. And so I think there's people in life like that. And what's crazy for me is I was telling my wife this other day, from when I got saved until I decided, hey, God, I'm good, was 16 years. Yeah. And I started wondering, Lord, after I was read this, like, is it because I didn't build the temple? I mean, is it because I just left it a foundation? And so it just became something that was this whatever. Drive by it, see it, but it's just some concrete. It doesn't. That was the temple of the Lord was to be built here. The temple of God was to be built. This is a real thing. This is serious. It holds some weight to it. And God is saying to these people, and I think to some of us, quit saying it's not time to build the temple. Start building the temple. And in doing so, understand there's going to be some work. Understand there's going to be some things. Go get the materials. Bring them back. There's an interesting part of, um, I think it's in Ezra. Check my grid green notes here. Well, it's in Ezra 4.1. And, and it's the same story. And read Ezra. Read these stories. They're amazing. The Old Testament, I love it. Ezra 4 verse 1 says, And then their adversaries, talking about the same setup, the same temple, the same story, and their adversaries came and said, Hey, how can we help you rebuild the temple? Huh. Yeah. And they said, and it was the Samaritans. Is that right? Samaritans. Bam! Samaritans. So, um, you'll find out when you read it, okay? So, so their, their adversary comes and says, hey, guys, how can we help? Let's build this thing. And they were smart enough to see it and go, hey, we do not want your help. Like, get on out. We're good. We're going to build this thing. What it says then is that the adversaries then started to um, discourage them. They hired people against them. They created this kind of fear, discouragement to where they didn't build the temple. And it's funny because if I'm relating the foundation to salvation, and I am, what happens after salvation? Like for me, salvation was the end game for a long time. Like, that was it, I'm good, I'm in the book, I'm going to heaven, you know. But what, I learned, what I'm learning is that that's the beginning, that's the, the foundation, salvation. But I started thinking about, after salvation, did I partner with my enemy to build the temple? Yeah, did I trade... This, for maybe something else that's not as bad socially, and was that offered from an enemy? Let me help you build your temple. First thing you should do, uh, quit smoking cigarettes. But here, do this instead. I think God's given us a warning in this. Is like, there's a call to build. There's a call to rebuild. I think it's prophetic that we are in a rebuilding stage here as a church also. Um. But in that call, there's a call to, to 
to be prepared to put some work into it. There's a call to watch the enemy that wants to partner with you in that. For people that are young in their salvation, it's like my dad says all the time, and he's like, I remember going up to the altar and praying and, and this God working on me, and when I got up and walked away, the enemy came alongside, put his arm around me, said, good job, buddy, all right, let's go. I'll show you how to do this. That's kind of scary. We have to watch that. We've got to watch who, you know, that, that let me help you. <laughs> yeah. Go up to the hills, bring down the wood, and build my temple. There's always something else to do. Don't be discouraged by that. It can, it can get discouraging, but the beauty is, is that as, as you grow closer to God and He begins to work on you, and I mean, it wasn't a month or two ago, um, I had woke up from an all-night, I guess I'll call it a dream, but it was this all-night um, experience where the Lord walked me through the life of, of my, my mother, Rebecca, and our relationship and her growing up. And my mom, she didn't know how to be a mom. She wasn't a mom. Had four kids. We were in foster care early. Um, and, I, and as we get older, we put things together, you know. And I remember living in, we lived in 22 different homes between, I don't know, four and six, somewhere in there. And so you start putting together things as an adult, and you start thinking, well, you know, mom was on drugs, obviously, and, and sleeping around, if I'm just going to be honest here. And because, I mean, it just makes sense because as an adult and going through this, I get it now. And so there's always been kind of this mom wound. And so the Lord, a couple months ago, just out of nowhere, I didn't schedule it or plan it, <laughs> just walked me through this thing all night where I got to experience her as a, as a kid, her as a teenager, her, and maybe why she was how she was. And the Lord opened my heart and my eyes to get to see that. And it was amazing because I just woke up and I repented for any feelings I had toward her. I prayed, 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 and, and not in desperation or fear, but just that God, she is with you now. That she knows your perfect peace, your love. All the guilt she lived with, all, it literally killed her. Like the guilt, that motherly guilt, if I could have, should have, would have, just destroyed her. But the Lord gave me this opportunity to see that. I think a lot of times we see people with just their foundation. And I think it's really easy for us to judge them. And say, ah, they ain't reading their Bible. They ain't praying. Look at them. They aren't doing this. Maybe they can't be doing this because look, all they've got is a foundation. But I think we have to ask why. Why was my mother the way she was? Why did these people not build the temple? Why is it that my friends this, my friends that, my mom, my brother, whatever it is. It was easy to grow up and to think she was just a bad mom. It was something else to realize that she was in bondage, that she didn't know a mom, that she had no clue how to raise kids. And she was lost, she was young, and she did the best she could without God. Had she had God, that would have been a different story. These folks here, they wanted to build the temple. They were called there. They were sent there to build the temple. That's why they were there. Were discouraged. They were discouraged. They were surrounded by fear, by threats, by an enemy. And they didn't build. 
I want to challenge us all, if that is you, if you ever find yourself in that place, if you are discouraged, if there is fear, if there is this, if there is that, and it is causing you to not build your temple, to reach out to somebody in this body, expose that, get the freedom, and start to build the temple. We need that. We need that. I always see this picture in my heart of a well, and, and it, I see it about me, of a well, old school well, you know, rocks around it, like the woman at the well. And I always see this picture with things floating in it and stuff in it, and maybe somebody's tried to jam it full of something and it's clogged, and I always see that as me, and God working on removing those things. Gently, one by one, as God does. But what I see in that is the need that we are living in a time. And this makes me sound older. Because this is something my dad would say. This is something old preachers say. <laughs> I can run. <laughs> that is, is getting, I, Jesus is coming soon. There, I said it. I said it. Jesus is coming soon. The world is getting so brutal. I mean, we work with these young people who are in these schools, and this, the stuff that's happening in schools now here in Missouri remind me of what Hollywood was when I was a kid. I mean, it's the, 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 there's an Excel, Excel, I don't know. Yeah, it's moving quickly. <laughs> and there is going to be a need on you. There's going to be a draw on you from lost people, from broken people. They're going to see you have something different in your temple. Your temple will be different. The Holy Spirit, that will be noticed. There will be such a hunger for something different, for safety, for peace, for forget all the stuff that is provided through Christ that people will see it. And I think even more, it will be, what is that word? Accelerated. Accelerated. <clears throat> God needs, not God needs, God can do what He wants. God wants these temples to be clean, these wells, us, to be clean so that he can fill us. And I, and I love it, but it isn't just for me. There's going to be a need, there's a draw, there's a need, there's people that need what you carry. You've got to carry it. We learned something yesterday, this lady was speaking and she said, we need to learn to receive. How many people have, don't have to raise your hands, but we have, peop, we have problems receiving. A lot of us do. We have problems receiving, receiving, but what are we giving? We give out of what we receive. We've got to receive to give. We've got to be empty of the junk. We've got to allow God to do some work, which means grabbing a buddy, grabbing a sister, grabbing a whatever it is. And be like, hey, I'm fighting this. Linking arms and fighting together to overcome these things so that we can be free for this one reason. For that man that came over here to be able to have something to offer him. Not of me, not of you, but of the Holy Spirit that changed our lives and will change his. We've got to make room for that. We've got a part in this thing. God offers salvation. He's, he's got it all. And it's all there for us. There's some work to be done. So I challenge, like God challenged me yesterday, 
to find a friend, find a brother, a sister, a mom, a cousin, whatever that looks like. If the enemy can keep you fighting by yourself, it, there's just no power. But when you expose it, the word says, confess your sin one to another. As we can expose it, and I, I don't know that it's so much like that you could tell me how wrong I am or this or that, but I think what it is is so we could say, all right, let's go after this thing together. It takes that thing off of me to here we go. Now we're fighting something else other than ourselves. There's a challenge, there's a call for us as a church to do this. There were some people here in the story that um, that were part of Solomon's temple. They had seen the glorious temple. And, and there's a part, I think it might be in Ezra, where they are wailing, crying, and then the, the new people who never saw the old temple are rejoicing and celebrating because of this new temple. And, and I don't know what it is. I'm just going to throw it out there. But I think, um, I think, for me, okay, going 16 years of doing what I thought was doing right with God until I decided God wasn't doing his part and backing out of it. When I recommitted my life to God in Colorado, cold as heck, on the street, I got, okay, I give and I need you, and I'm done doing this. This is not going to be my life. I'm not doing this. There's more. And him changing my life, part of me would always think about, man, back before, like when I got saved, or I was doing this, or I was doing that, or I was working with this youth group, whatever, I'll never be able to go back to that. I wanted to. Like, that was my natural state. Like, I wanted to go back to where I was before that temple was destroyed. Does that make any sense? I think we do that in life with different things, man. If I mean, how many of you would love to go back to high school? Nobody? Oh, man, I would tear it up. It would be awesome. <laughs> I think we do that. But what the Lord was really stirring me up on is, and he says it here. Let's see. him. Haggai 2.9, God says, The glory of this temple will be greater than its past glory. Those dreams that we've had, those visions we had, maybe when we were younger, maybe when we were walking with Christ that have died, we've let go of, we've thought they can never happen, um, they can still happen. And it would have been awesome had I listened to my parents at 14 and 15, and I never smoked a cigarette, and I never drank a beer, and I committed my life fully to God, but I didn't. But when God got a hold of me, I did. And, and, and the, the, the trap we kind of get into sometimes is, oh, if I would have just done that. But what God's saying is that temple is gone. And it was, that would have been a beautiful thing. It would have been beautiful. But it's not here anymore. But what is here is this temple. And this temple, the glory will be more than the former. I haven't put these little numbers on the top of them. <laughs> Pastor uh, shared something with me really cool um, before we started. Uh, and he was talking to me about stained glass. And he knows I'm a glass guy. That's why he brought it up. 
there's this place in California called um, Moonshine Beach, or no, Moon, you know where it is, Moonshine, something down past San Francisco, and uh, there's this amazing, like, street and all these stores and, like, you know, the coast kind of stuff, like lighthouses and shells and hippie stuff, and uh there's this one you walk into, and the whole thing is all this broken glass, all this stained glass. And there's buckets everywhere. And the idea is that you go in, and there's a path. I mean, don't get me wrong, you're not walking on it. But you, there's a path you can go through, and it, it splinters off. And there's these greens and blues and reds and purples and all this different stuff. And as a glass guy, I'd go there and just look at it. Like this, It's so cool. It's so pretty to see these colored pieces of glass. And what Pastor Blackwell was saying was like, those things then are taken and put into um, stained glass. All this broken glass that in its glory, this red piece of glass is amazing. Busted up into pieces and mixed with all these other colors and put together with the master's hand is incredible. It's former glory or it's, its current glory was more than the former. Like there's a lot of our lives that did not turn out how we expected this perfect piece of glass that it began as. And it's easy to think that that means it's over. Why even begin to start building? But God takes that, God does, and mixes it with however he does it and puts this thing together into this perfect, beautiful masterpiece. And that is our lives. So, Lord, we thank you so much for your goodness, for your faithfulness, God, that you do not give up on us, that you finish what you start, and that you have a way of rebuilding shattered lives, dreams, different things, God, that you take what the enemy has tried to destroy, and you make something beautiful out of it. And we're as a church, we are so thankful, Lord, for what you're doing here. We're so thankful for our pastor and for the new season that you have for him and the new things going on here, God. You're so good. I, I just want to pray a special prayer over him right now. And church, just extend your family to Pastor Blackwood. Lord, we just ask that we want to honor him, and we wish we had the, the words and the... We just ask you bless him, Lord, that you'll bless him, encourage him, strengthen him. God, I pray that he would, he would just be in that just... Filled with it, just surrounded by your spirit, just soaking in your spirit of rest. I pray for his body, every need to be met in Jesus' name, God, that you will take him further into this relationship than he ever thought possible with you, God, in Jesus' name. Let me read one more verse. Psalms 27, 6. This one thing I ask of the Lord that I will seek after that I may dwell in the house of the Lord all the days of my life, to gaze on the beauty of the Lord and to inquire in His temple. In His temple. Amen. Got anything, Pastor? Got anything else? All right. We're going to close, but not yet. Sit down. I saw you trying to run out of here real quick. Nice try. Half the guys are already gone. Man, I told Steve, I said, you're going to sit up front today, man. I'm talking to you. He was gone before we even started. <laughs> Chris, would you mind coming up?
I think it's only smart when the Lord gives us a word and a challenge that we, um, obviously, let's do something with this individually throughout the week. But let's, as a church, do something with it now. If you're in a spot where you feel like your temple's, it's been, there's destruction, and you feel, what's the point of rebuilding again? Man, I've already built everything, and it didn't work. I was there, so I know it's possible. And I know there's people here like that. You've given up. What is the point? I've spent so much time trying. I'm, I'm sick of trying to do the right thing. I'm fighting this thing, and I'm getting nowhere. If that's you, I want you to come up for prayer. Lunch will be there when you get out. I promise you. I promise you. If you're in a building spot in, your, in, your, in this temple, and I've been there on houses where I need to call somebody, say, I don't know what to do. Like, I don't know how to do this. I don't know what I do here. Get help. Come up front and let us pray with you. Like literally, this temple is so important. And this lie that I've believed all my life that I don't need anybody to help me with it is just that, a lie. We need each other. We need each other. And God has provided an amazing family here. There's safety. There's security. Because God is doing a work in all of us. So don't leave today going back and looking at that foundation and not building. You have the foundation. Let's get some studs. Let's build some walls. Let's move forward. And if it takes help, then we are here right now to take that first step with you. Love you guys. Have a great week.